Ladies and gentlemen, as part of the Jeremiah Show, welcome to It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. Now here's the host of the show, a man who thought he was going to a Costa Rican prison for delivering illegal cash to a Chevy Chase movie set. It's TV's Tim Stack. Yay! Oh my God, listen to the crowd of three oh hey uh everybody welcome back i've been away for a while my wife uh, had an operation um i should do a joke there but i'm not going to she's good though everything's good uh anyway uh, uh i'm going to quickly tell the chevy chase movie story i got hired by a guy uh who i who i sort of knew i'm not gonna mention his name because it's like he was sketchy and he used to make movies Okay, I'll mention his name. His name's Jeff Franklin. And not the Jeff Franklin who created the TV show, another guy. And he used to finance movies like, I'm doing, I'm shooting a movie, I get the money from Ukraine, but it's moved through Thailand, and then we shoot it in Alaska. And, I, and somehow these mo- all these TV shows and movies would get made. So Jeff Franklin calls me, he says, we're doing a movie in Costa Rica, do you want to do it? I was like, Costa Rica? Yeah, great. He goes, okay. Come by, the, but again, you got to remember, all the money is like weird, like South American through Russia money. He said, you got to come down to the house before we, on the way to the airport, stop here, you got to pick up something. I said, okay. I go there, I go to this house, and he's got these two suitcases there. That are, and, and, and I said, okay, I'm taking these suitcases? He goes, yeah, just check them through. They're, they're for the movie. Don't worry about it. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. I said, okay. I want you to know I'm not going, well, I don't know what's in the prison. He goes, or what's in the, in the suitcase? He goes, don't worry about it. It's nothing. It's for the movie. I said, okay. So I take the suitcases and I said, I'm not going to a Costa Rican jail, just so you know. I'm not going for you. He said, ah, that's really funny. So I take the suitcases. I fly to Costa Rica. I go to uh, customs. Guy says, you know, it's Costa Rican guy. What's in the suitcases? That's my Costa Rican accent. It sounds, it sounds a lot like my Russian accent. They're neighbors. Yeah. So I said, it's for a movie. He goes, movie? Chevy Chase? I said, yeah, Chevy Chase. He goes, come on through. So I take the suitcases. And there's a guy out there, Tim Stack, the limo driver. You got the suitcases? I said, they're right here. He takes the suitcase. Now, all of a sudden, he veers off. Off the road. I'm assuming I'm going to drive across Costa Rica. That's what I've been told. Now he veers off and he goes into this really dumpy airport. And there are all these rusty planes there and burnout parts. It, it, it looks like Ukraine here. And he goes, he goes, uh, uh, change in plans. You flying over now. Went, okay. So this guy comes out and he's got like airline epaulets on his shirt. And he goes, I'm flying. Next thing I know, I'm in a plane. I'm flying over Costa Rica. And I'm saying to myself, this isn't where I die. I might die in some weird way, but this isn't it. So then we're flying over. And all of a sudden, I said, hey, are we going to see the uh, rainforest? And with that, he banks down and he lands in the middle. I swear to God, this is a true story. He lands in the middle of the rainforest. It's a little too long. I should have warned you, Liz. <laughs> so I'm realizing that now. This is a little too long for the podcast. Anyway, we land in the podcast, or we land in the in the airport in the middle of the jungle. And as he's landing, he says, "This is the airport Oliver North used to run money to the Contras in Guatemala." The suitcases come off, my bag comes off, and all of a sudden, as I'm picking things up, 
he takes off. So now I'm alone in the jungle on this airstrip, and I'm hearing like jungle noises, like caw, caw, and weird. And then all of a sudden, a guy at the other end of the airstrip says, this way, do you have the suitcases? And I'm wondering, like, what is going on with these suitcases? And I walk everything down. Now, I'm, now that person has disappeared. And this little peasant boy comes out. And he said, and he looks at the suitcases. He gives me a thumbs up. Then a van pulls up. This guy doesn't know anything. Finally, I get the suitcases to the set. And I see a guy who I knew from some other TV show. And I said, what's with the suitcases? Because I'm assuming there's drugs or there's cash in here to pay the crew. What's in? He goes, well, didn't you read the script? And I said, uh, yeah, well, I read my part <laughs> in the script. The whole movie hinges on these two suitcases, and they needed them in the shot for this thing they were doing a reshoot of on the beach with Chevy Chase. It was like North by Northwest. The suitcases get mixed. The whole script is based on these suitcases. But I neglected to read that part. Instead, I just read my lines because that's what actors do. Anyway, enough of me. Let's get to our guest. We got a little intro music to play. You recognize that music, Liz? No. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't. Did I? Yeah, we should, we both should. I forgot it too. Okay. Elizabeth Tippett, a.k.a. Liz, a.k.a. Tips, is a writer-producer known for Trolls World Tour, Trolls Band Together, that's coming out, so we're going to talk about that, Life in Pieces, that's a show I lost a job to a Canadian about on. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the Millers uh, She's also the wife of Eddie The mom of Hazel Who she named after the TV show Hazel Nobody's going to get that joke But maybe my brother uh, Starring Shirley Booth Anyway, please welcome Liz Tippett Yay! I can't believe you didn't look in the suitcase You thought they were full of cash And not at one point I did didn't want to know I didn't uh, want to, they weren't particularly heavy, so they wouldn't have been yeah. cocaine, because I remember what that weighed like. <laughs> uh, so do you recognize that music that I played? No, what is it? That's the theme song of the Millers. It is? Oh, shoot. <laughs> I should definitely know that. Of yeah. course. It sounds just like, like Greg, I think, wasn't really interested in the theme song. It sounds a lot like the theme song to Raising Hope. So oh, it's it just, and, and he didn't want to deal with lyrics. I think it's just like, play some fun music and that'll be yeah. it. Yeah. He's allowed to rip himself off. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, I played that because that's how you and I met was on the yes. show, The Millers. And yeah. I want to hear your take on The Millers. My, my quick take is The Millers was a show that where the writers had so much more fun than the audience. <laughs> I think that's an absolutely fair take. Although the audience had a great time when they were there. The in-studio audience had an amazing time. And I Do you think, remember? Go ahead. A couple got engaged at the Millers. Do you remember that? I do remember that vaguely. Yes. I was only there for the second year or which Maybe. only was six episodes or something or nine episodes because we got canceled. You got us canceled. Yes. I've, I've done that before. Um, <laughs> That might have been the first year, but no, it was unbelievable fun. 
so much fun. We had the best time. Uh, maybe we should have spent a little bit more time writing. <laughs> but I don't think that was the problem, which I, I'm going to give you my take. It's like that show was as good as any other show. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it was so fun. The cast was amazing. It, I mean, the writing. I thought the writing was really yeah, good. Yeah, it was really funny. I think it hit at that time when they were like suddenly everything was a little bit shifting. And so if the numbers weren't like very high, which no one's numbers were, they were canceling. But two years after that, even a year after that, they would have killed for those numbers. So yes, yes. Yeah. The world was changing. It was an it amazing was. cast. I printed out I because I had to remember this too. Uh, yeah. Will Arnett was a star with Margot Martindale. Mm -hmm. Explain the premise of the show. The premise of the show is Will Arnett is, well, in the pilot, he has gotten a divorce and he hasn't told his parents about it yet. They come up to visit and his, he finally has to break it to them that they've gotten divorced. And then his mom decides to leave his dad <laughs> because of that too. So yeah. now he's stuck living with his newly divorced mother while he's divorced. Right. He's inspired yeah. his parents to get divorced. Totally. Really funny. And it was a great really JB Smooth was in it. He was the roommate. Nelson Franklin, that guy's always good. I'm reading off IMDb. Uh yeah. Bo Bridges, Jama Mays, who would come off uh Glee. And then Sean Hayes came in. Yes. My, my, here's my take on why the Millers got canceled. Okay. The writer's room was laughing so hard all the time. Like yeah. loud laughs all the time and Les Moonves's office was right across the, the like the open oh. air courtyard uh -huh. and I think he heard our room laughing so loud all the time and then it's looking at the numbers like why are these people laughing so hard in the I'm not growing an audience here but right. the writers and we had a lot of writers and and an expensive cast I'm sure they just thought like Hey, guess what, writers? The joke's on you. <laughs> yep. I love also that you think it's just because we were laughing too loud. We were also outside having foot races. It was always like a field day of people. We were children playing outside. There was cornhole. There was always like outdoor. We ate sushi every week. Like it was a lot. No, it was perfect. I remember the writers got really upset when they were told they couldn't drink anymore. <laughs> Greg called me into his office and he said, I think you might quit. Here's what's <laughs> happened. <laughs> because every show night I had my cup of, it looked like tea because I would take the tea bag off of the end of the tea and just leave the tag hanging down. But that's, then I always had gin and tonic. devious. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah, but yes. apparently, I guess somebody, some PA had a girlfriend or something that, and she showed up drunk. So they said, no, now the writers can't drink. Yeah. So. And he, they both denied it. They said that she wasn't drunk. Yeah. She was <laughs> Which hammered. is delightful. She was that's, hammered. That's just her. And honestly, knowing that PA, maybe you would have to just be drunk <laughs> to date him. <laughs> yeah, we can't mention names, but I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. So, again, that show was so crazy, but, but explain how Greg would, explain the wheel in the room and these pranks so, that were done and games. I, I yeah I mean it started first season but there was a giant wheel like you know that you would spin at a carnival 
and all of the writers' faces were on it. And originally, it was used so that <laughs> you take your photo, spin the wheel, and then whoever it landed on got to choose lunch. That's all well and good. That's fun then for we, maybe two days. Yes. And then we could veto, like you could veto someone's lunch and put money into a pot, like $5 to veto someone's lunch. And then it was fun because then if someone was very excited about something, you could easily dash their hopes <laughs> with it and be really mean to your coworkers. Yes. But so then we got the second wheel and it was called the wheel of death or like the wheel of punishment. Yeah. I don't even remember. What I think it was wheel called. of death. And so every week there would be, we all came up with all of the punishments that were on the punishment wheel. And every week we spun it. And so you'd spin the first wheel and whoever landed it on, it landed on had to then go up and spin the punishment wheel again, punishment for what? I don't know. No one did anything wrong (laughs) for the, for the joy of the other writers to get to watch this person be punished. It was joyful. And so they were just absurd. You know, it was like, Go get the darkest, worst spray tan you can get. Um, I want to just talk about that because whoever, was it Bobby Bowman who got the spray tan? Okay, Bobby Bowman, who's a, he's a wonderful writer and great guy and a good friend. He had to go get a, like a really dark spray tan and then like darker than Trump, like, like really (laughs) like, and he would have to go to the table read. Yes. In the spray tan. Now, you got to realize when writers go to table reads, it's network executives. It's the cast. They're all, you know, it's a big deal at a table read and to to show up. And he had to do it like he's not coming back. No, it's people who directly affect your career. Yeah, like Nina, like Nina Tasler's running CBS, and she's at this table read, and Bobby has to show up in a bra in a really deep bronze, like number thirty or whatever. How those numbers go? It was really dark. Like it was borderline racist. Like that's how it was. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. And you weren't allowed, like you weren't allowed to say or mention that anything was weird. And so, but there were all these, it was one was make your own clothes. So you had to go in your own handmade clothes. (laughs) Uh, You had to make up a superhero. Remember Bob Daly, who's a very like, legitimate writer yes and, and, and not a not a show-offy writer like me like he's not dying to do bits in the room no and he had to go dressed as a superhero do you remember like his own homemade superhero he had like denim shorts on and suspenders <laughs> it was absurd. Oh, it's it was so, so fun but not only that even to choose which rooms we went into right the writers rooms would separate into a couple of rooms depending on what we were working on and just to choose who got to go where no room was better than the other, by the way, they were absolutely comparable. Yeah. We would have to go do like foot races outside or like Greg and I would, we used to do wall sits together who could sit against the wall for the longest. I had to do a dance off with Austin. You did. Austin was a wonderful writer, a great guy. And yeah, we had to do a dance off again for the all for the enjoyment of the other writers. Like it's a dance contest for the other writers. And uh, and I just remember the laughs. And of course, that's my last moon vest theory. Uh, We have to take our first break. We're going to sell a little bit of advertising. Uh, You know, there are four people that listen to this show now. And no, I'm kidding. Uh, we have a lot of great audience people, a lot of picking up more and more stations, right, Jeremiah? Yeah. 
Okay, that's good. Um, okay, I'm talking to Liz Tippett, a great writer. Uh, we're going to talk about her career and her how she got here and all that. And uh, what do you have? You got Trolls um, Trolls Band Tour coming up, right? That's coming out yeah. this. That's really Both exciting, together, like a feature which, movie. And this is your second movie. one. The, this is my second one. I was the I was the last writer in on Trolls Two, which I learned through talking about Trolls 2, you're not allowed to call it Trolls 2. We had to call it uh, Trolls World Tour. And then I was the first and then subsequently the only writer on the third movie. So Trolls 3, Trolls Band Together, which was awesome. And so that's coming out November 17th. And are you still, uh, I'm looking, I'm I'm promoting you. Are you still on Twitter? You don't go to Twitter anymore, do you? No, but I should, right? I should get back there. You were there at El Tippy. That we yes, L Tippy. L Tippy. Like V Tippy. E L. Uh, okay, we're gonna take our break. You're listening to It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. We'll be right back. Everybody, it's Tim Stack from It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack asking you to watch the show Sprung on Freebie, Amazon's new free channel. I promise you it's funny, it's got heart, and my shoulder appears in episode three. Only rock trolls are allowed back here. We are genuine hard rockers. One, two, three, four. Rainbows, unicorns, everything nice. Yeah! Brush your teeth. Cool. A smooth jazz troll? Smooth jazz troll? Uh, do you recognize that? I do recognize that, yes. Finally. My early Alzheimer's hasn't hit that badly yet. Oh, boy. You can't believe what I have to write down. I leave Post-its now to leave Post-its. Like, like I put a Post-it up. Make sure you leave a Post-it. So smart. Oh, I've I've got the whole old age thing down. uh, Do you leave a Post-it on uh, Jano's forehead? Jano. Uh, I haven't yet, but I will. I do... uh, she, again, she had an operation, and and uh, I can tell this story. You know, she's still on painkillers, which is like the world is obsessed now with painkillers. Like getting a painkiller from a pharmacy is not easy. We have a prescription and all that. But the times are li- like a big, she learned this in the hospital, like put the time of the next painkiller. So it's like, you know, 2.30 in the afternoon, and she's just staring, waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a good thing I'm a nice guy. Otherwise, I could come in like, here's what I want you to do for me. And I can hold the pill, but I don't. Yeah, or they, no, it's only half today. I don't know where the other. I don't know. I don't know. You break it in half. Uh, Anyway, I'm talking to Liz Tippett, author of Trolls World. What is it called again? Trolls Trolls Band Together is the one. Trolls Band Together. That's coming out. Yeah. 
uh, which is really exciting. You, a, you got two features made, but this one's going to be a big deal because NSYNC is involved, right? NSYNC is involved. New music from NSYNC, which has the millennials going crazy. People love NSYNC. I mean, they're really good. There's yeah. a reason people love them. But they have, they've reunited a couple times since they broke up, but they've never done new music. And I think the new song's already out. It's really, the music is so good in all the movies. So, yeah. Um, no, there was just a lot of promotion. I just saw Justin Timberlake and the gang together and yeah, I mean, those guys, and he, he's unbelievable. I just, have, did you get to meet them? No, I've never met him. I have been, like, a foot from Justin Timberlake, like, waiting for the producers to, <laughs> to introduce you. <laughs> and never did. You got to do the and tap so, on the shoulder. Yeah. Uh, JT, I, excuse me. <laughs> when I went to do press for it, that's all I talked about. I was like, and I still haven't met him. It's the number one question people ask me, and I still haven't met him. I'm so glad the press didn't run with that like in a derogatory way, like JT refuses to meet writers. <laughs> Won't even look her in the eye. <laughs> Doesn't know her name, Daya. Um so let so Let's go back. Let's talk. Of, and, and then also another animated thing. I just want to quickly, Grimsburg, you were working on um, yeah. with Chad Gindin, who worked on the Millers. Yeah. And, and with sure. John Hamm, who I'm very attracted to. <laughs> I don't know why. That's so odd. No, I think I he's really funny. And, and uh, did you get to meet him? So he lives in my neighborhood. Uh -huh. I live on the I live on the poor side. He's over there on the rich right. side. See him all the time, and I still don't want to be like, "Hey, so like we've not talked. doing the shoulder tap on him either." I <laughs> know, I know, but I should like, but yeah, I have not met him officially. We've talked on like a notes call, right? You know, but I haven't been like, "Hey, also, I'm lightly stalking you around our neighborhood." <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'll work up to it. Uh, let me see. Was there anything else about the Millers I want to get start? I want to talk about. Um, let's move us laughing. The only thing, other thing about the Millers was um, I was when I went to that job because I had worked on Raising Hope. Greg moved over to the Millers, and then he brought me in. I thought that show I was going to ride that into the sunset. Like that show, it's owned by CBS. Look at the cast. It's funny. It's great. I just thought. To the point where I actually furnished my office, if you remember. <laughs> yes. Like I, I thought, yeah. And then when they canceled it, first of all, my son Doyle, who you know, was a PA on the show. He started sobbing like he didn't under, I mean, and he left show business <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is, this is what happens. Like, I love this. How can they cancel it? I love the working year and all. And they canceled it. And he was, so it was actually a good thing because it got yeah. him out of show business. He was, uh, he had no, no. I mean, his life does seem much better now. I'm on his, his Instagram. His He's life was great. good then too. Oh, it's, <laughs> we should, as I always say, we should all be Doyle. We should all. That's what I. I would actually like to promote Doyle's Instagram more than I'd like to like promote any project I'm involved in. I'm not on Instagram. I know he's on Twitter. He's DES stack or underscore stack, I think, or something like that. Maybe he's like D town or something on there. I don't know. But if you want just like the best, you're following the best wedding guest all across the universe. There isn't a weekend where he's not at a wedding. No. Like it's not wedding crashers. Like, it's a different version of that where Doyle gets invited to weddings because he's so much fun. 
Yeah. Like they, hey, I buy, you got a DJ? No, but I got Doyle. Like <laughs> he's a professional wedding guest. His, that's him. What's his handle? Doyle. Doyle. He just goes oh, like Doyle. Doyle. It's like share. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Uh, so let's, I want to talk about Santa Barbara in the final segment, because you, you okay, lived great. here for a while. But yeah. but how did you, and you, so we'll, we'll put Santa Barbara here, like you were in Santa Barbara, and then you yeah. moved to LA. So how did you get started writing? And I know there's a little stop at the Groundlings. Yes. So I was living up in Santa Barbara, which we'll get to. Yes. But I was working at this job um, for, I think it, it got sold, but it was called Islands Media. It was right there in Carp. And I was just, I was just work. I was sitting in a cubicle, not really writing, a little unhappy. You wanted to be a writer, like inside you knew you wanted to be a writer. Always. But where I went to school and like being from the East Coast, like no one was like, oh, here, here's what screenwriting is. Here's what a, like a job in that looks like. So I was I was an online editor for these travel magazines, but it, I never got to travel. I never got to do anything. I was like not making any money. I was just a little unhappy. And there was a receptionist at the front and she every day would send out company wide the daily motivator. And it was like this very earnest, like lift you up and she did um, this on her own or it was a company man did this, did this on her own but it went company-wide went to everyone in the company everyone in the company was fine with it i started taking it and making and this is the pg version but i would do the daily effing motivator <laughs> and i would send it out just to so the people i knew would get a kick out of it and i would just make it dark and really inappropriate and very like angry jack candy and i would send it out to people right and then the list of people in the company that wanted it kept getting bigger right. and one day one of the editors came over and she's like i need to talk to you about the daily effing motivator and i was like oh this is when it happens this you is gotta when write I this some point you, this is really funny <laughs> And she's like, can you add me to the list? And I was like, oh, right. And then I was like, I'm doing, I'm doing the wrong thing here. And so I started uh, commuting down to, still living in Santa Barbara, commuting down to LA and taking classes at the Groundlings um, just to kind of like get my foot in the door, yeah. figure out what to do. And then, you know, I'm such a writer. I'm not a performer. And as you know, Tim, I didn't have the best experience at the Groundlings. <laughs> we can't talk about that. Slowly I turn. Don't mention her name. Well, I know. I bet you were good. Um, you know, I, I think that writing comes very naturally to me. Performing, I just get a little in my head. I'm a, I'm a little anxious for it. If it was like all friends doing it, whatever, I'm great. It's super fun. It is a different muscle. It's a totally different muscle. Yeah. Yeah. And so the first class I took, great. This is great. You have to rise up the ranks, got into this next class. And this friend I had met down here in LA, I was like, this is the teacher that I got for the second thing. And she, and I said, what do you know? And she goes, can you drop out? And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? And she's like, no, I'm serious. Can you drop out? If you can drop out of that class and still get your money back, you should drop out of that class. <laughs> and if only I had heeded that warning because she was so mean to me. She just picked on me in front of everyone where she would go, come here, pretty girl, come here. And then like slap her lap to call me across the room where I was like, 
It was so insulting. I couldn't even be happy that she thought I was pretty. <laughs> well, we've got a surprise for you. Because come on in. Come on in. <laughs> That's, that was every episode of Nightstand with Dick Dietrich. Well, we've got a surprise for you. Uh, so, but according to IMDb, your first episode yeah. was Scrubs? So, yes. I knew a writer who then I uh, got engaged to um, from Scrubs. That is how that was my Scrubs connection. But my first job ever was South Park, which is oh, I wild. Didn't know that. I, I went on a South Park writers retreat probably in 2008, which is such a wild story. I think my friend was a writer on the show, and I think that's definitely what got me the meeting. We had also done this web series. It was very big when web series were very big called The Lo Loneliest Ultra Conservative Corn Muffin in the World. <laughs> <laughs> and it was literally we baked like I baked out of a muffin mix um, our lead of it. And it was this very it was this lonely corn muffin that kept joining all of these ultra conservative causes to make friends but then in every time he would just take it too far like he shot the abortion doctor um you know like this is so, wonderful this is great yeah I, i'm sure it's still on youtube somewhere oh i'm gonna i acted in that so <laughs> our teacher at the groundlings can take it um jason Priestley started one of them and he was like a promise keeper who ended up like abusing me like it was a very dark oh i can't wait this sounds wonderful yeah web series that we did and then that led to I hadn't done anything, but that led to South Park. Again, I hadn't in there. So that was that. But I went on a writer's retreat with them, which is like, I just went and spent a week with a couple of other writers and their writing staff, which is very small, with Trey and Matt at their house in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and like helped break stories for the upcoming season, which was so, such a wild, that was I remember I got $2,500 for doing it. And I was like, oh, my God. I thought it was right. so rich. It was so exciting. It is so funny, the money that when you first get started and then then it's just like that changes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like free lunch. Oh, my God. I think I, got, I think I got $300 for an episode of Lou Grant. And I was just, oh. This, and it, it did. It would last me six months. It was like I didn't, yeah. you know. Uh, yes. We're going to take our second break and sell some more advertising. I'm talking to Liz Tippett, her movie Trolls World Tour coming out in October, did you say? No, November. November. Very exciting. That's going to get a lot. I mean, if those guys show up at the premiere, it's going to be get a lot of press. And that's really great. Congratulations. Uh, I'll promote uh, Sprung, our friend Greg Garcia. The show that got moved over to Amazon. You can watch it on Amazon now. I think they're testing it out to see if it works on Amazon. Anyway, so please watch that because I'd love to go back to Greg's backyard and work on that show, uh, which is where we wrote it. Uh, and I have a very funny, uh, the Q&A you'll hear on the other side. There's a story behind it. You definitely won't know it. So uh, anyway, you're listening to It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. I'm talking to Liz Tippett, and we'll be right back.
I'm Liz Tippett, writer of Trolls Band Together and Tim Stack's best friend. This is It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. Okay, do you recognize that? <laughs> no. Okay, well, it's the song A Wonderful World. So oh. I, you have to go online and look at this. I'm trying to, doing research for the interview, and I go to YouTube, and I put in Liz Tip, and the Trolls thing comes oh. up right away, which is great. Then, the, like, the third one down, it's something for the Tippet Arts Center. Oh. And it's this, and it's so not you. So I want to... <laughs> I wanted to play it. It's this incredibly beautiful couple that just got married. She's Asian and she's so beautiful. She like could be in one of those karate movies. Like it's like she and he's this handsome guy. They've, she's in a wedding gown. He's in a tuxedo. They've just been married, but they've moved a baby grand piano to the middle of a beautiful field. And this is like their wedding song that they're playing. <laughs> it's so not you. And I just thought, oh, I got to play that thing. That's is it a real couple? It's a, it's a uh, clearly this is a real couple that got married, and their wedding like thank you message maybe or to themselves is they're playing the piano together. It's a wonderful, beautiful you know, world, and I can't imagine the work of getting a baby. It's in the middle of Colorado. Like, how do you get a baby grand piano to a field and then you play together this song? Did Amazing. Okay. He's, uh, Jeremiah's going to add it uh, to it's so funny. Like, oh my God, these people. How do you do I that? Can't, I can't even get married. I've been engaged twice. I still can't get married. <laughs> much less move a baby grand piano to no, a field. No, way too much. I can't even go to the courthouse. <laughs> uh, now, speaking of uh, your fiance. Yes. Baby yes. daddy. Baby uh, daddy. So you, you have all, well, I was going to jump around and talk about writing stuff, but let's talk because you've written with him. We have, yeah. The last two years, we've been really lucky enough to sell pilots about our family. Like, we have a very, he's Latino. Uh, his family, his parents are from El Salvador. My mom is British, and we're like very, my mom's so British. We're so white. And so it's like a very blended family. We're weirdly, our parents are the exact same. Like, nothing about them on paper looks just, alike. Just different family. backgrounds. Totally different backgrounds, but very much like, I don't know, scrappy poor people, <laughs> scrappy poor immigrants. <laughs> That's funny. Did you and yeah. Eddie write on Zoom? No, I'm kidding. Because uh, yes. <laughs> I, I never want to live with him. <laughs> <laughs> but we love each other madly. Madly. So much I'm going to move a grand piano into a field. <laughs> um. So I do want to talk about your mom because your mom, I, I've never met your mom, but I've seen some pictures. And yeah. what I love about your mom is she, as you said, she's very English, but she's yeah. a diehard New York Yankees fan, as am I. That's why I wore the hat today, uh, which I wear every day because <laughs> I'm like your mom. It's like I have no yeah. life but the Yankees. 
rabbit. How did that happen? Because your mom sounds very proper English, funny, has a sense of humor, but somehow got on the Yankees. My mom is such a character. Yes, funny, but also one of the most intense people. Like, my mom can't have a light hobby. So I don't know exactly what got her onto the Yankees other than, you know, she's lived in Connecticut now for the past however many years, 45 years, something like that. And so it, it's definitely, it's not out of the realm for her to be a Yankees fan, but then she is so live and die by the Yankees where she has to watch every game twice because she's like i need to watch the first one just to and i'm so tense the whole time right that i can't do anything and then if they've won she goes back to watch it a second time just so she can actually enjoy it she has it's, no chill <laughs> it's, it's totally me it's like the other the only other thing and my wife hears me screaming in the room and it's either about the yankees or boston college football because i have no life it's like those two things and i scream and and it's i completely get where she's coming from. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. You mentioned the word Connecticut. And yes. not a lot of writers come from Connecticut, like TV writers. like uh -huh. Because Connecticut always, to me, it's always like, even though you may have gone to public high school, it's uh -huh. like a prep school in Connecticut. Like, like kids wait around for the L.L. Bean catalog to show up. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's here. Uh, you got totally. one? <laughs> J. Crew. Yeah. Like, in the 90s, it was all very like J. Crew. And, yeah. Yes. It is, it's such a beautiful place to raise kids, and I would never want to live there again. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about it all the time. We're yeah. very tempted, you know, because, you know, LA is so expensive and you don't have any land and everything. Yeah. But, and the school uh, thing, you got to send your kids to private school. And yeah. it, I mean, if you go to a public school, it's like, yeah, okay, but. You know, it's it's dicey. It's wild. Our my town, the small town where I grew up, is still ninety six percent white. Yeah. <laughs> and so Eddie Eddie wants to move there all the time. And I'm always in part for entertainment purposes, from his point of view. <laughs> yes. <laughs> laughing at white people. I mean, but even like we we were at a funeral in the OC the other day. And he's looking around the room. He's like, "There's three non-white people here." I was like, "This is what Connecticut is. Yeah. You would hate it." Yes. Yeah, I remember we had a, this is way back. We had a housekeeper who got married in the city of Firestone, which is all Latino, and we went to yeah. the wedding. And I remember a guy. This and I was on Parker Lewis at the time, and this kid comes yes. up and he goes, "Hey, man, are you on Parker Lewis?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes. 12 year old i'm gonna abbreviate he goes what the f are you doing here like, but part of it was also like we were the only white people in the wedding and uh yeah yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's the only reason he recognized you by the way your accent work did that all come from the groundlings your teacher your favorite teacher taught me all the accents so not it's only just... was she really mean she was a bad accent teacher <laughs> Uh, so, uh, let, we're going to talk about Santa Barbara again, but, yeah. but I do want to ask you about, cause you have written on zoom, like one of these, yes. I have not done that because Greg, we went to his backyard when yes, the whole pandemic started. So what is that like? It is, I, it is, I want it to be good because I you get love, to be home. <laughs> you get to be home. Like yeah. you don't get free lunch, but you get to be home. That's yeah. really nice. And commute. At the beginning or the end of the day, you can do whatever you want. 
It's hard. You know, like I think if you think about the experience of the Millers, so much of why we were able to write jokes together is because we all knew each other so well. We messed around with each other all the time. We made fun of each other, me probably more than anyone made fun of everyone. And I think that there's just like a little of that chemistry missing over Zoom. You know, like if someone's checking out in person in the room, you watch them just like scrolling through their phone. On Zoom, someone's just like this and you can tell they're just reading something <laughs> behind them. So I don't know. It's it's efficient. I think you get more work done because there's less really? like Yeah. Because oh, there's no shenanigans. There's no shenanigans. And so I think that that makes it a little, I, I think the hybrid is probably the best. Do you Three make, days in, days out. have you made a f writing friend on Zoom? Like somebody say like, yeah, let's get together and have dinner or meet for a drink. No, no I mean, I'm the biggest misanthrope in the entire world. So we'll start there. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, my last two shows, both animated shows, both been on Zoom. And I think I met everyone that I worked with like once or twice in real life. And then other than that, like, no, haven't really, like, we'll still text occasionally, but right. it, it's hard to make the jump to really hanging out. The other thing that scares me about a Zoom room, and this is maybe me going, going back to losing a job to a Canadian because they were looking for diversity. <laughs> it's like, Canada? Really? Uh, so, um but but part of it also seems and, and I and let me preface this with I am not I'm not complaining about this. This is like yeah. all this stuff needs to be done. But it feels like and talking to friends who have run shows since then, since the whole thing started, but it almost seems like writers' rooms where it used to be the showrunner hires who he or she wants. Like I think they're gonna be the best person for the show. It seems like writers' rooms now are almost cast. Like, Interesting. like the executives get involved and, you know, for story editor, we want blank. And it's not so much based on their work, but based on casting. And again, I don't want to sound like I'm some like Trumpian anti-woke. I'm really not like I really believe in this thing. But I I feel like the combination of Zoom and a cast it and a cast writer's room makes for even less shenanigans which is yeah which is the fun part of tv writing i mean i don't i think that the days are gone maybe of like a veteran showrunner getting a show picked up where now he's only going to hire his friends who are you know I, I think that's over and i think that's probably good yes, I think there's no, I, I, like, yeah. absolutely i think that i i have been definitely working in rooms where it is the showrunner doesn't know everyone has not worked with everyone before in a good way or has like maybe a group of like three or four core people that they've worked with and everyone else is like kind of new or like you know that they're it, it's more of a wild card thing and that's rough to me that's rough to me that's that makes it harder i understand you want to get new people in you want to mix it up and all yeah. that but to have that many people you've never worked with and Zoom, to me, that's like, wow. Or maybe Zoom makes it easier because you can. I don't, know. I, don't, 
I don't know. I don't think, I, I think that people inherently aren't as much themselves over Zoom. Also, you can see yourself the whole time. Yeah. That's terrible. Right. You know, like it, it definitely makes you more self-conscious or you miss out on all the conversations for me over like food anywhere. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was always leaving the room to go find food. What did you have for lunch? Them. I had peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> Onion ring. Yeah. Uh, okay. We're going to take another break. We're going to take break three and then we're going to talk about Santa Barbara. Uh, and you'll hear a song, Santa Barbara's song. It's a little tease that I came up with. Uh, I'm talking to Liz Tippett, the author of Trolls World Tour that's coming out in November. Uh, and you're listening to It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. Tim Stack, and having been in show business for so long, I have a lot of really funny friends, and you can hear them all on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. That's part of the Jeremiah Show. So listen. It's Christmas once again in Santa Barbara. There is not a snowflake to be found. No sleigh rides, no snowmen. Like you see on the Christmas cards Oh, but we've got a lot of Christmas in our hearts That was... I sound like a DJ. That was... (laughs) That's my DJ accent. Uh, Christmas Once Again in Santa Barbara, written by Barry Dvorzon, very good friend, very talented, great guy, really great music career uh, that they used to do for the Unity Telethon on Channel 3, which Mm -hmm. was a big deal up here. I played that song because my guest, Liz Tippett, used to live in Santa Barbara, where our main station right here at... uh, it's 1290, right? <laughs> it's right in front of you <laughs> on the sign. <laughs> it's 1290. KZSB. KZSB. <laughs> I am so devoted to this. <laughs> it reads. It reads. Uh, but uh, uh, Liz, how do, and, and Jeremiah is going to join us here because I didn't you, Liz, didn't you work in a restaurant? Didn't you do some restaurant I, work? Okay. And that's his I, specialty, especially here in Santa Barbara. So we'll get to that. Uh, but how did you get to Santa Barbara? How did you, how did that happen? Uh, I was, I was after college, I was like a creative writing major and I went home and I was trying to get jobs in New York, like working for magazines and stuff like that. And it wasn't really happening. And then my mom's like, Hey, maybe, maybe you don't hang out here for a while. And I was like, yeah, no, I, it's time to go. <laughs> because and- the Yankees are starting. <laughs> <laughs> And so my friend and I were at the bar one night, honestly, and we're like, let's move to California. And we're like, okay, anywhere from like San Diego to here, like we were literally just talking like that. And then we're like, Santa Barbara's pretty. Let's move to Santa Barbara. Literally the next month, we just hopped everything in my like little Jeep and drove across the country and moved there. Didn't have any jobs. And then I started waiting tables, which I had done back east too. And where did you and wait tables at? Here comes Jeremiah. <laughs> Aldo's Italian restaurant Aldo's. on State Street. Do you remember it? Uh, yeah. yeah. It, across the street from the Enterprise Fish Company, right? 
No, was, I thought it was uh, further oh, north. Oh, all those. Yes, that's right. It was on the left side. Yeah, yeah, way yes. up. Way up. You're right. Yeah. Across from Palazzo? Palazzo. I'm thinking of Andrea's yes. seafood. Yes. I'm thinking of Andrea's Palazzo yeah. was across the street. Yes. Yeah. And so that's, it had like a little courtyard and, uh, You might have waited yeah. on me once because I used to have, when I first moved to Santa Barbara, I got an office in the Granada building. Oh yeah, right there. And I used to eat there occasionally. I ate more at the Earthling Bookshop. They had a restaurant. Do you remember that? <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, it was great. I used to love that. It was, it was, it was like the first bookshop that had- and wheat bread, yeah, right? Yes. And like avocado. Yeah, and... but they had soup. So I would go there. I just loved the idea of a bookshop that had anyway. You do seem like a big soup eater, by the way. I will just say that. <laughs> I love it because you don't need to chew. That's coming from my dad. How do you seem as, like, like a soup eater? What I, is that? Define know. what a soup it's, eater looks like. It's the Irish thing. <laughs> so you were here for a number of years, though. I was. I was there from probably like 2001 to 2006, maybe. Yeah. 2007. Like a good long stint. And then I worked I, for the first maybe year and a half. All I did was wait tables, hang out. It was so fun. Right. The best time. And then I was like, oh, everyone's so happy and I'm so anxious. And I was like, so no, we're good. I I'm know doing anti motivation. <laughs> I was like, so no one's reading the paper because <laughs> crazy stuff's happening. Like, I just couldn't. I have way too much. Like, anxiety and neuroses to like live in the most beautiful place on earth i need <laughs> i need bad things to like justify how bad i feel all the time so i love la now <laughs> uh yeah that's true so uh and then you got a job what was the first writing thing here or or didn't you so write did you write a little for the independent I wish I had gotten an interview for the independent like early on and it was right up from Aldo's and I was so excited and then I didn't get the job which honestly looking back is probably a good thing because I think I just that seems like I would have fit right in and stayed forever <laughs> like so because those I don't know the independent writers it's a really good life yeah. you get to just kind of do what you want be really involved in your community so no I didn't get that but I the first thing I got was working for Islands Media which was down in Carp and like all of us everyone was like in their 20s it was like so idyllic we would like go swim in the ocean or go running at lunch and come back right. it was it was camp. It was a yeah. camp with a very low pay for me. I'm sure everyone else was getting paid better. Um, and then, and then after that, when I left there, when I was like, okay, I want to go do the groundlings or do something else. I started just going completely freelance with writing. And I think one of the worst jobs I had doing freelance was for the news press. They were like, they had messed up something in like, uh, with all of their automobile advertisers. They had done, they had done some sort of editorial story that was like very anti in some way. And so they were going to make it up to all their advertisers by writing like a free editorial that would seem, I mean, <laughs> advertorial that would seem like editorial. Right. They didn't tell the advertisers about it. They just gave it. I was like, I don't know, 24, 25. They just gave me the names of these people to contact and be like, so I'm going to write a story about you. And then I would have to go to the dealerships and meet with just car dealers. And they would, I would try to like craft anything interesting out of what they were telling. And none of us knew why I was there. And I got paid a hundred dollars an article. And I was over the moon. I was so excited about and that. You got, and you got published. And I got published. Yeah. 
Um, so, any did you ever work at the Fish Enterprise Company here in Santa Barbara? <laughs> no, I wish only we had, ever Aldo. I wish we had more time because the going out part. When you're a server at that age, right? There's five colleges. There's some probably some pretty good stories there. There is so <laughs> much whole, fun, like, like night culture thing. And because everyone waited tables, you knew yeah. everyone from everywhere else. Right. So you could go to any bar, you could do anything. You're like rock stars. It was so, it was really a lot of fun. Yeah, my yeah. first year after car, college, I tended bar in New York. And, and what you do is you tend bar, you work till three in the morning. And then you go to another bar or an after hours club mm -hmm. to drink. And you're doing that seven and nights a week. After hours party. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, and I, re I was one of those times I realized that's sort of why I created an opportunity to come to LA is just, that's a dangerous life. Yeah. Like, get out. I have to say real fast, <laughs> yeah. Liz, thank, I want to thank you because I've sat here through 34, this is a 34th show at, of Tim Stack, and he's yeah. never invited me on until you were here. So I wanted to thank you for that. <laughs> I'm so glad. We're going to do some editing. <laughs> you just, it's a throwaway. Because this last sequence did not. <laughs> uh, we, do, we do have to wrap it up, though. Th Liz, thanks so much for doing Thank this. You. Again, this trolls. This is so Go ahead. I was, I was just going to say this is so fun. It's like all of our other phone calls. But <laughs> this time you're recording it instead of me recording yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, and I'll tell you the, the thing I did with Liz afterwards as soon as we stopped tape, if we have time. Because they, they booked this place like there's another couple coming in. It's like a Vegas <laughs> wedding chapel. There's another radio show. Get out of here. Okay, wait, I'm getting the high sound. We got to go. Uh, Liz, okay. thank you so much. Trolls World Tour opening in November. Take your kids. Take yourself because it's going to have NSYNC involved. And I'll see you next time on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. As always, a big thanks to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.